The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The Stanley Cup Finals begins on Monday uh, Washington, and obviously uh, the incredible story uh, out in Vegas. Uh, Dan Duva, no relation to the Duvas of the boxing world, uh, but a guy who also hails from Jersey, uh, is their play-by-play guy and has watched this craziness uh, up front all year. This remarkable story of a franchise in its first year that is now playing for a championship, which is un you know, unheralded. I mean, never happens. I mean, this is, you know, something that is almost unfathomable that it w- that you would see this happen. A team that could really be able to, to just come out of nowhere and, and in the first year accomplish this with a, you don't want to say just cast off, but with a, an inc- uh, basically players that were un- left unprotected. It's a remarkable story. Uh, and uh, Dan joins us now. Dan, welcome. How are you? I'm, I'm great, Mike. It's great to talk with My you. My pleasure. So but, tell me a little bit about your background. First, before we get to the uh, the Knights, <laughs> tell me a little bit about your background. Sure. I grew up in Nutley, New Jersey. Uh, I went to high school in Ridgewood, New Jersey, and, and listened to you. And it was great to hear you talk with Lou Lamarillo a few days ago. Uh, growing up a Devils fan, Devils lost to the Rangers when I was nine years old. They won their first cup when I was 10. And then my first job after college, and I went to Syracuse, went to Fordham, my first job was with the Devils organization, and if it wasn't uh, for the Lamarillos and, and the great support that uh, they offered me in the first gig, and of course, winning uh, and getting me on board with hockey, I don't think that I would be in broadcasting and probably not in the National Hockey League, but it's been a great ride. And listen to you uh, and Chris for many years, so much so that uh, when I was broadcasting baseball in Cape Cod, I contacted the jingle company that made the Mike and the Mad Dog theme song so we could model our singles after yours. How about that? That's funny. Uh, and uh, so tell me, how did you get the job with this team? It's a first-year team. Where were you uh, working, and how did you how did you get the job in Vegas? Yeah, I was the first. Uh, I mentioned the first gig I had was with the Trenton Devils, which is ECHL, sort of like Double A. And the next job after that was uh, back in Syracuse, New York, uh, the Syracuse Crunch. Howard Dolgan is the owner. Team uh, started in 1994, and the last five years I was there, and uh, Tampa Bay Lightning affiliate. So John Cooper, the head coach now with the Lightning, Tyler Johnson, Kucherov, all those guys came through Syracuse. So I was doing the hockey games up there and uh, teaching a bit at the alma mater and hosting a sports talk show in the afternoon. So great run there in Syracuse, but any opportunity to get to the National Hockey League. And just like players, more jobs for players, for coaches. And a couple more jobs for broadcasters. So, so I had a couple you, people put you in applied, a good You applied for the job and uh, beat out, I'm sure, uh, a lot of people for, for the play-by-play job. Yeah, well, you know, like when you have people that you get to know in this business, and, and I could only begin listing them off, and you know several of them really well. Um, Ian Eagle and Mike Emmerich have been two of my greatest mentors. 
Right. I know both of them helped me out quite a bit. Uh, and others, two wonderful announcers, kids. too. And uh, Bird, who yeah. has become a wonderful announcer, who started on on this show, as a matter of fact, oh, yeah. many, many years ago. And uh, Doc Emmerich, who I, I said the other day, might be the best play-by-play guy in any sport. Yeah, he, he is that good. I mean, he is just an incredible voice. He's just amazing how good he is doing these games. Oh, no doubt about it. And when you grow up in New York and, and growing up, I remember listening to Mars Albert on the radio, even Marty Glickman doing the Jets. My, my dad and my Uncle Bill have had Jets tickets since the 70s at Shea. So growing up a Jets fan, and listening to you know Bob Murphy and Gary Cohen do the Mets on the fan, and so many great announcers. But Mike Emmerich is not only an exceptional broadcaster, he's a better man than he is a broadcaster. And I always say what I learned most from Doc, when you listen to him call a game, you know there's no place in the world he would rather be. No, absolutely. We're talking with Dan Duva, who's the uh, voice of the, the Vegas franchise as they go through this unlikely season. And everyone has talked about how crazy this scene is out there, how wild this thing is out there. And now they're in the uh, cup final. Now, first of all, how radical was it moving to Vegas? Now, there are a couple of communities out there. We know there's the, the two main ones, uh, Summerlin, and what's the other one? I'm trying to remember the other one. There's two. Henderson. Henderson, is, uh, Henderson, Henderson yeah. and Summerlin, okay? So there is two communities there. Have you found Vegas to be like a normal city, staying away from the Strip, or is it just very different life? It's different, and it's, of course it's a lot different than living in Syracuse, New York, during the winter, but... You mentioned the other day, I heard you talking about Roe going to Summerlin with the mm-hmm. golf and TPC Summerlin mm-hmm. and TPC Las Vegas. Yeah. The team's practice facility is right down the road. It's oh, in really? downtown okay. Summerlin. Yeah. And that's where the team offices are. And, Mike, the practices, you can't get in. It's standing room only. There's lines out the doors to get into the team store. It's like, you know, Garden State Plaza Mall on Christmas Eve. You can't park anywhere. It's unbelievable just for practice. And I don't mean just now during the finals. I mean, for the last several weeks and months, it's been unbelievable how many people go in the suburb to Summerlin to watch the team skate. So most of the people who work for the team and many of the players live out in that Summerlin area because that's where the practice facility is. Was it, did it hit from day one, or was there something that launched this team and this love affair with this area out there this year? It, for me, seemed to be there was a lot of buildup. Uh, the preseason games, there were seven of them. But the last preseason game was Sunday afternoon, October 1st. And as you know, what happened the night of October 1st, the shooting right down the street. I was walking Horrific, horrific. That night. And so all of the plans, the pep rallies, the festivities leading up to what was supposed to be the birth of Major League Sports here, everything got scrapped. And instead, you had players and coaches going to hospitals and schools, visiting with first responders and victims. And that created a bond for the people here to get to know these players. Most of them are anonymous. I mean, other than Marc-Andre Fleury, I mean, who, who really jumps off the page is a name that you would know. So that created a bond. Team goes on the road for two games. They win both. And they come back here. It's 10 days after the shooting. And the crowd, you know, so many people have said this, and I would agree. It's unlike anything I've experienced. Uh, they had to celebrate the birth of Major League Sports, but also pay tribute to the first responders and the people who died. And the ceremony that night was unbelievable. And Derek England, Derek England played minor league hockey here, and he's kind of the de facto captain. And he delivered a speech that night that you know still touches my heart. And everybody who was here will always remember it. And I think that's where it really began. We're talking with Dan Duva, who's the play-by-play guy for the uh, Golden Knights, as they now 
get ready for, I know this sounds crazy to even think of, but gets ready for the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> a first-year franchise. You heard Lou on the other day. Lou was talking about what a great job that George McPhee did in building this franchise and what a great thing it is for hockey. Everyone has talked about what a great thing this is for professional sports, not just in Vegas because Vegas was the test case and it's gone over unbelievably well. But then to have a franchise do this well in its first season, unfathomable. What happened inside this team? What, what clicked? I mean, what players have been the reason why this team has been so successful? Yeah, it's funny, Mike. You know, the, the, the group text that the players set up when they arrived here was titled The Golden Misfits. All the players had this chip on their shoulder that they were misfits, cast off from their previous NHL team. And recently, the conversation about George McPhee, you know, he was a cast-off, too. Uh, Nate Schmidt, who was signed by George McPhee with the Washington Capitals. Nate is one of the more outspoken guys on the team. George is right in that group uh, of misfits. And even after the expansion draft, uh, this was not expected to be a very good team. A lot of people still have him in the bottom five. And to me, one of the critiques was, well, they're going to be weak down the middle. The center position was not going to be strong. William Carlson, no relation to Eric Carlson from the Ottawa Senators. William Carlson was with the Carlson was with the Columbus Blue Jackets the last two years, two full seasons, total fifteen goals in two years. This year he scores forty three wow. as the top line center, and not only that, he led the league in plus minus. He's just as good in the defensive zone as he is in the offensive zone. So that's been one of the the, the true great stories, and you can't really look past Mark Andre Fleury. Flurry's out for two months. He got a concussion in the fourth game of the season. He comes back, and his first win after he returns is against his old team, the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's having one of the best years of his career, and if the Knights win, he's got to win a con smite. But those are just two of some of the players. It's really a deep team, and there's some names that you've never who's heard the of. Most, Frankly, who's the, who's the guy been. who's the darling of this team? Who's the guy who's the darling of the fans? Yeah, I, you know, William Carlson, he's Swedish, so he's got the long blonde hair. That'll... That'll certainly get the, uh, the girls interested. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury's always got a smile. Uh, Nate Schmidt is sort of the comedian, former, uh, he's from Minnesota, but played uh, with the Washington Capitals. Uh, you know, Jonathan Marsh is so, who last year scored 30 goals with the Florida Panthers, first year breakout year. He's a talkative guy. Uh, you know, you can go up and down the list. There's a lot of guys that have, um, you know, you see who's, whose jersey is worn the most. Alex Tuck is from Syracuse, New York. He's only 22 years old, but he's six foot four. Played at Boston College. He's one of those young guys that I think uh, will be around here for a while. So a lot of fans are interested in in what he does. So he's got just a great blend, and I think that's what's really attracted the, the fans here to the team. We're talking with Dan Du, who's the play-by-play guy, a local guy who's out there now with the Golden Knights as they get ready for the Stanley Cup final against uh, Washington. So now it's finally there. You're going to have the Stanley Cup final. The, you know, the, the country's going to be watching. The, the world's going to be watching. Here it is. Finally, there, there's this great story is going to come to a uh, fitting close this year. That You're favored to win the stuff. Uh, the, you know, playing a good team, but favored to win a, a cup final here. Uh, tell us what the uh, anticipation is like uh, for the Stanley Cup final to begin there Monday. Well, it, it, you get to a sense of it based on the number of national media folks that have begun to inquire, um, you know, the, the practices, the fans here. And it's really for the people who live here year-round. I mean, they're used to getting visitors. It's Memorial Day weekend, so there are going to be a lot of extra people in town anyhow. 
But when you get online at the grocery store or you're getting gas, people have Golden Knights shirts and hats and bumper stickers, and, and people don't recognize me. But they'll just start a conversation about hockey with me just because I'm standing there. Uh, everybody's talking about it. So as much hype as there's going to be and, and people get to see their city on national TV for a hockey team that's based here, and we've asked the question, you know, what is it like for people who've lived here a long time, you know, the fights that have taken place here, uh, you know, even UNLV basketball. Sure. This is different because, first of all, UNLV, all of those games were on the road, right? The NCAA tournament was not played here. Yep. And all the fights, you know, you've got a lot of people coming in just for the fights. And even then, the, the people rooting are split. They're going to root for Mayweather. They're going to root for the other guy. Here, everybody's rooting for the same team. So we've got the community here that has gotten behind it, the watch parties in Old Vegas and downtown, outside the arena for the road games. It's, it's everywhere you go. It's everywhere. It's, and I, I don't use the word lightly, Mike. It is unbelievable. Let me ask a question. I wondered about this, uh, and we're talking with Dan Duva, who's the play-by-play guy, a local guy from uh, this area who's gone out and become the play-by-play guy for this uh, Golden Knight team, which has captured the imagination of uh, the country with what they've accomplished. Uh, two things that, that jump out to me. We haven't mentioned the coach yet, uh, but before I do that, uh, tell me about what teams do that show up there. Does the team that come in, do they stay on the strip at one of these big, you yeah. know, real big hotels, or do they hide them out somewhere away from the strip? <laughs> the one team that I know has stayed away from the strip was Lou Lamarillo's Toronto Maple Leafs. What a surprise. What a surprise, yeah, they, yes. Yeah, I knew you'd like that. The Toronto Maple Leafs stayed at Red Rock Casino, which is near the team's practice facility. In fact, I lived there for three weeks before I found a place to live myself. So that's about 15 minutes west of the strip. But most of the other teams are near the arena so that you could walk or maybe take a, a short ride share or a taxi. But it seems that most teams have tried to stay Where is the arena in relation to the strip? Yeah. Where is the arena? It's tucked right behind New York, New York. Okay. So if you're familiar with Monte yes, Carlo, I am. they've I changed am. it recently to Park MGM. So it's tucked right back in there. They've gotcha. created this new path called the Park. So you can walk easily from the Aria, the MGM, Excalibur, even Mandalay Bay. So some teams, for instance, have stayed at the Mandarin Oriental, which does not have a casino but is walkable. And over at Mandalay Bay, they have a Four Seasons there, and that's a little bit separate. So that is another destination. I know a couple of teams have stayed um, in, in the bigger ones like Caesars and Bellagio. You know, some of the teams get here and then they stay a couple of days for team parties, what have you. Other teams get here a few days early and leave right after. So early in this season, we heard the term Vegas flu. Marc-Andre Fleury joked when the team started winning road games that the Vegas flu must be contagious. That was the knock on the team early. Visiting teams were coming here, having too much fun and losing. And we learned pretty quickly that that wasn't the case. So everybody's tried things a little bit different, but the, the arena is right there. So it's, it, you can't miss the crowds that build up before a game and even after the game. You walk right outside, you've got the world's most entertaining street right there. How about the coach? I mean, he hasn't gotten that much national attention that I've seen. How about the coach this year? Yeah, Gerard Gallant, remember, was Steve Eiserman's line mate with the Detroit Red Wings teams. Uh, so he knows Steve really well, player, of course, with the Wings, and then coached when Columbus, he was an assistant with Columbus when they started as an expansion team. Most recently was with the Florida Panthers. Coached them against the Islanders a couple years ago. Great series, we remember. And the following year, they let him go in December. And they were about 500. And not only did they let him go in Florida, 
they fired him after a game on the road, and he was forced off the bus to get a taxi. There's this <laughs> oh, terrible geez. picture of him try, of getting in a taxi after a game. Oh, uh, yeah, it's nuts. So uh, George McPhee hired him here, and, and George wants, you know, he's from the Maritimes of Canada. He's, you know, salt-of-the-earth guy. A lot of cliches, but he's very much focused on the next game, the next shift. Very simple. Uh, he's a really smart hockey guy, but he breaks it down to the simplest pieces. And he's the perfect guy for this group because he was a player. So we trust the guys. Uh, if he calls somebody out, two seconds later, he's laughing with that same player. So the guys appreciate that trust. And it's a balanced line. It's, the top line doesn't play that much more than the fourth line. The top pair doesn't play that much more than the third pair. There's a balance. So when you go through the playoffs, you know the grind, Mike. It's this stage of the year, guys should be beat up and banged up. Knights are pretty healthy. Because uh, they, they play a lot of guys and they share the minutes, which is yeah. interesting. Uh, that does yeah. make a difference. Uh, we're talking with Dan Duva, who's the uh, radio voice of the uh, Golden Knights. Um, Vegas is used to big events. They're used to seeing celebrities. They're used to handling big events. Uh, is this a event that there's a buzz and, you know, it's a hot ticket? Is this a, I mean, they know hot tickets in Vegas. They obviously know big events in Vegas from, you know, the years of the fights and everything else that's gone on there. Is this a real hot ticket right now in Vegas? Oh, it, it's, it's off the charts. And, and even through the regular season, the fixed seating capacity, Mike, the number of chairs in the arena is about 17,400. Okay. Every game is a thousand over capacity. People are buying tickets with no seat and no view of the ice. There are bars and clubs and things around the arena where you can physically get in, but you have to watch the game on a screen. So there are a thousand. I mean, I think the last game was 18,600 and change. Again, the capacity is 17. So they're 1,200 over walking around. That's unbelievable. That that, that is unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. yeah, and, and when you think about the, the way that it has gone through the season, uh, you know, in the middle of the year, you had you could see some a lot of the people coming to the games were fans of the other club. Why not spend a few days in Vegas? But here in the playoffs especially, they've managed to ensure that the local fans have the first access to tickets. So there's been very few visiting fans, if any. Uh, and it's just incredible. But the neat thing, Mike, is that they brought people, front office people, uh, game entertainment people from around the country. The guy who does the game entertainment had been at UFC. Someone else was with the Red Wings. And they put on this show that, to me, matches any show in Vegas. In, in the pregame, the intermissions, they've got Blue Man Group coming on after the first period. They've got a night on the ice, and it's, it's like a, a Broadway show or a Vegas show. And that really gets the crowd into it. It is unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it in terms of the entertainment. Oh, and then a hockey game breaks out, and they go nuts for the hockey team. It's not a novice crowd. They really do know it. And are expectations hot? Do they expect to win the series? I mean, has it gotten to the point now where you guys will be bitterly disappointed if they lose? <laughs> you know, I've, I suppose that depends who you ask. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the year, players, um, you know, heard about the owner, Bill Foley. And Bill's a West Point grad. He's never been involved in sports directly before, but he owns golf courses and, and vineyards now. He had a three- to six-year plan. Playoffs in three, Stanley Cup in six. Well, a couple of the veteran players like Marc-Andre Fleury said, why wait so long? I'm 33 years old. Let's do this now. So the players, I think, would be bitterly disappointed. They are not satisfied. Jonathan Marcheseau, who I mentioned, he's the top scorer on the team now in terms of points. You know, he was asked that question. He said, well, for winning the conference championship, we got a hat. That's it. 
and they want to win the championship. I think the people here have already, you know, win or lose, they love this team. They love these players. They've so far exceeded anything that you could have imagined. But the most important people here, the players and the coaches, they're not satisfied. You know, unbelievable story. Well, listen, uh, your story is a, a, a good one. The, sta- the, the team story is a wonderful one. So good luck starting Monday. We'll check in with you during the series and see how things are going. It look- I'm sure it's going to be a very competitive series, so we wish you luck. Thanks so much, Mike. A great pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Good luck to you, Dan. Thank you very much. Thanks. Goodbye.